This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the Whole Care Network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice, and always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to the Whole Care Network. Through my losses, I found my peace. Through my losses, I found my purpose. Through my losses, I found him. We all have our stories, and by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Hello, my name is Jody O'Donnell Ames, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Hope. It is my pleasure to introduce my guest today, Aaliyah Christine. She is coming to us from LA, place that I love. She's a screenwriter, director, actress, and an incredible storyteller. She's also an amazing woman. So welcome, Aaliyah. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thinking that we met probably five years ago, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But how I usually start my podcast is to... Mm -hmm go back and I think you're what are you what are you 27 years old 26 26 okay I was I was close I was close yeah yeah you are 26 years old and you know when I first met you I recognized immediately that you were going places you have discipline determination energy vision and I'm I'm wondering this is one of my first questions that I ask my guests were you always that way? Was there something in your childhood that reflects who you are now? I would, So I wasn't always this way. Just being a normal kid, going through that phase of being a kid and then a teenager, it took a lot of just certain events in life happening to make me become, you know, so self-disciplined. I mean, I definitely can draw from seeing how uh, strong and independent my mom was and how she definitely instilled in me discipline and just knowing that you know in order to be successful you know I have to want it myself so I would definitely say my mom instilled that in me but it took a little bit for me to get to where I am today. Well your mom did a great job and I, I think the the first time I met you you called you said yes ma'am and thank you ma'am and yes yes <laughs> Yes, absolutely. It's not something that I hear a lot. So yeah, I've heard, I think it's being from the South. I've heard like different people I know from up North, if I say that to them, they're like, whoa, like what, where does that come from? But it's just, it's just how I was raised. I'm always, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, it's just normal. So definitely. Well, well I recognized immediately in you as I said, that you were going places, 
places and was really impressed. And we met at a camp in Florida. As my listeners know, I'm the founder of Hope Loves Company, a nonprofit that supports caregiving children who have a family member living with ALS. And you arrived by yourself at the camp. I soon got to know your story. And in my hand, our viewers can't see it, and we're going to talk about it, is the result of your story, the book, Lost and Found, Discovering Purpose Through Pain. Mm -hmm. I knew you had a story in you, and I knew you were going to write it. I know you also have a documentary. So so tell me a little bit about your experience with ALS. So growing up, I was raised by my single mother at the time. I was born into a, a, a pretty big family as far as, you know, a lot of aunts, a lot of uncles and cousins and everything like that. We were very close-knit. So I had heard about my grandmother uh, passing away a few months before I was born. I don't think growing up I actually knew she had passed from ALS. I just knew she had she was sick. And, and it wasn't until, I believe it was 2005, when my Aunt Jackie was diagnosed. That's when I think... I kind of put two and two together and was like, okay, this is the same illness my um, grandmother passed from. So from that, you know, my Aunt Jackie ended up passing a few years later and I've seen her with ALS. I also had an uncle and two other uh, aunts pass away from ALS. So I definitely have seen it close up. I've been hands-on throughout the whole process as far as like, seeing how ALS can affect everyone differently. Some people live several years. Some people live several months after being diagnosed. It's always pretty sudden, you know, when uh, symptoms come up and everything like that. So it's definitely um, life-changing, I feel like, for everybody involved a lot to understand, especially as a younger person. When my Aunt Jackie was diagnosed, or when she first had symptoms, I think I was about seven or eight. It was during her wedding when um, a few of us noticed her foot dragging at her wedding and not understanding that. And then she actually was my aunt that lived the longest out of all my family members. She lived the longest with it. I I believe it was like seven or eight years, something like that. Don't quote me, but I I believe it was like seven or eight years. So we've seen her, you know, go from the, the falling spells until, you know, up until she was in the hospital and, you know, they had to eventually put tubes down her throat. And she was, she was very vocal, you know, about the whole process. Um, we had very intimate conversations where she was trying to explain to me, you know, a 10 or 11 year old little girl, you know, you know, this is what's going to happen next. And at the time, I'm just, I'm just listening. I didn't know what questions to ask, you know. And when I when I look back, I kind of wish I asked more questions, but I don't know how you can really prepare, you know, somebody or or just get to, get them to fully understand what's going on. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if that if that made sense, but it's a it was it's been quite quite a journey. Did you just share that five family members? Right. Okay. Five. So yeah, the last time I spoke with you, I believed I thought it was four. So, yeah, it was four. so I'm really sad to hear of another loss. And I can't imagine I have lost several people I've loved with ALS mm-hmm. in my own family, one, but friends, of course, just by working in the ALS community and, and getting to know people and to love people. I can't imagine 
having five within my own family. And this podcast is called Gratitude to Latitude for a reason. You are the epitome of that because, you know, having you you hopped on this call on this podcast, your voice is um, joyful. You celebrate life. You appreciate and, and live in gratitude. Yet that's a huge amount of grief. Yeah. As I'm looking at your book, and we need to know where to find it, but as I'm looking at your book, Lost and Found, that's perfectly such a great name, Lost and Found. It's as you mentioned, it's not a typo, it's not lost and found, it's lost right. and found. Right. <laughs> I want to read a part of that because one of my questions I ask my guests is how, right? How do we go on after the enormity of such difficulties and challenges? And how can we inspire others to do the same? So so let me read mm-hmm. part of your book. And this is from your introduction. And by the way, Queen Latifah's bodyguard, new, <laughs> a detective, Keith Shepard, wrote the foreword for you, yes. which is just so cool. And I want you Thank to, you. I want to, we're going to get to Queen Latifah too, but let me just read this. Shout out to everyone who has overcame heartbreak, losses, and depression. And an even bigger shout out to anyone who is going through this right now. Listen, I got you. Please keep reading this. I pray that you find comfort in my story and know that I'm just like you. It took me a while to finally throw in the towel and surrender to God, but I did it, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Through my losses, I found my peace. Through my losses, I found my purpose. Through my losses, I found him. Wow, that is so powerful. Your book is incredible. Thank you. Yeah, so so let's hear how you met Queen Latifah, because I know this story. And it's riveting. And it just, again, is an example of who you are, girl. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So I've been, anybody that knows me personally, I've been a huge, huge Queen Latifah fan since I was a very, very young kid. I've always admired her. I just think she's amazing, beautiful, empowering, all of that. And so versatile. That's what I really, really love about her. But actually wrote this into manifestation. I I think I wrote it in the end of 2016. I had just gotten into writing like my yearly goals. And December 2016, I like wrote out month by month what I was going to do for 2017, what I was going to accomplish. And I said, for whatever reason, I don't know why. I was still in college at the time. I was going into my last semester. I said, in June of 2017, I'm going to meet Queen Latifah. Just just like, that. just like that. <laughs> Seriously. And I didn't think twice about it or I didn't ask myself how. I just I just wrote it. After graduating from Florida A&M in April of 2017, I went home for a month and then I immediately moved to Atlanta. My plan was get a job with my degree and then somehow get my foot into the industry because Atlanta was really, it's really been excelling as far as with the film industry there is really picking up. So it's a lot of shows and movies been filmed there. I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it, but yeah, I heard my foot in the door. I heard mm-hmm. that. I heard a lot of films, yes. Walking Dead, and a lot of shows are being um, a lot in Atlanta. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up, because I'm a big fan of hers, it was a producer of that worked for her that I followed on Instagram. And I would talk to him from time to time. And I, one day he posted a picture and he said he was location scouting 
in Atlanta. And I was like, oh, my God, he's here because usually they're in, in L.A. So I wrote him and long story short, he was like, hey, you know, we began shooting for a new film in about a week. Write me again next week and I'll see if the director still wants an assistant. So he still wanted the assistant, obviously. <laughs> you know, that's how I got the job. And I went on set and I, I believe the second day on set, I was sitting there talking to a lady that reminded me so much of my mom. Like she's a hairdresser on set, but they just reminded uh, She reminded me of her, like, you know, the same amount of kids, just her demeanor and everything like that. So we really clicked, you know, me being far away from, from home with my mom and she was casually talking. And then she was like, you know, Dana's going to be here tomorrow. Like she called her by her real name. After I told her, you know, I was a big Queen Latifah fan, and I was like, are you serious? And so I, one, I, one second, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Dana is the real name of Queen Latifah? Correct, correct. I, I didn't know yeah. that. I had no idea. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we were on set, and she told me that, and I was like, oh my God, are you serious? Like, literally my second day on set of this movie. And prior to me being on set, like, I had heard that she was producing the film, but I didn't think she had a role or anything like that she was like yeah she has a role she's shooting tomorrow so that made me you know go home and want to do my hair and everything because I was like I have to get it together and I told the director I was a big fan and he basically was like tomorrow when she comes I'll give you time to talk to her and you know people say different things it's Hollywood so I didn't really believe him I I thought I was going to have to make my move or say something myself and he actually the next day he took the time to introduce us, I got to sit with her like by ourselves for like 30 minutes. And I was definitely fangirling and I told her everything, <laughs> every like little fan thing from like, I told her I wrote a fan letter in fifth grade. She was just like, whoa, you know, like I went down, down the list. But she was, uh, she was definitely impressed. And ever since then, I've, I, I don't have like one-on-one contact with her, but I definitely know a lot of people close to her. And that's how I, a part of that is how I end up becoming pretty good friends with her bodyguard, who is kind of like a mentor to me now. And he's just always very encouraging and always, he knows he learned my story as well. So he always checks in. And I also have um, the producer that gave me that job. He just called me the other day randomly and asked about my mom, you know. So that wow. a lot of the people in her and in, in her circle are pretty close with me now. So it's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. so... I need to, I just need to take a moment to say, boom, that is how you get things done, people. Exactly. Right? You just had the courage. And it's incredible because if you wait for things to happen, it's never mm-hmm. going to happen. You have to get right. out there, make your move, make the pitch and get it done. Absolutely. So you have Absolutely. this incredible book. And, and, and I want to share also that you have an IMDb. So you you yes. have some you have some time on the screen because I know you mm-hmm. have a you are a screenwriter, director, actress. You also have time on the screen, so that's something everyone can check out. Yes. So you you get this book going, and I know we were talking about it, and you have a special. Queen bodyguard is actually the one that told me to write that oh, a yeah. year prior to me writing it. He said, I was venting to him one day. I think it was around the time that, I think it was around the time I had just lost my aunt. So the last person I lost to ALS. And I was venting to him. And he was like, I think you should write a book. And I was like, no, I don't want to write a book. I told him that. And a year later, I ended up writing. (laughs) 
He was right because you have a yeah. very you have a very important role. So you are bringing awareness to not only ALS but to the fact that ALS can be genetic, and also mm-hmm. in the African American community. Mm-hmm. Well, there are so many people. When you see ALS, you typically see a male mm-hmm. because more men than ALS, more men than women get ALS, and you typically see a white male. Mm-hmm. And people don't even realize that ALS affects everyone. Right. Everyone. Yep. And, and your book and your role is, is so powerful because you're bringing, you're shattering that whole concept and you're bringing awareness to the fact that it affects us all. Right. And Absolutely. I, I really appreciate that. And I Absolutely. hope that everybody, no where do they find your book, by the way? You can find it on Amazon. I've even heard it's on Barnes and Noble. Or you can go to my personal website, aliachristine.com, and I'll send you a signed copy. But either of those, yeah. Because that's what I did. And I have a signed copy, <laughs> which is yes. which is incredible. Yes. Thank you so much for your continued support is what it says. And I'm so grateful to have it in my hand. And I, I highly recommend that everybody goes and gets a copy. So... I want to share another quick question to you. Mm -hmm. I could talk to you for hours. This is wonderful. (laughs) But you mentioned that you were a part of the process. I mean, you were so young when you really understood for the first time or maybe didn't understand ALS. And you were just witnessing the unraveling of, of the disease and what it was, the impact it had on your family. Would you like to share anything about the caregiving, you know, caregiving as a young adult? People really don't understand caregiving in the ALS mm-hmm. community, and I and I think it might be helpful. Right. I would say personally, at the time, I definitely witnessed it more it's rather than me actually performing different things on myself, but it, it definitely takes a lot. As a caregiver, you definitely have to sometimes feed them, depending on how far along they are, you know, that's putting them in, in the bed, that's getting them to the commode. It's a lot. I feel like a lot on the the caregiver um, mentally as well. Um, You have to have a lot of patience. And this is just a side note. You know, I've seen, aside from seeing that with ALS, I also noticed or got to kind of experience how patient you have to be with the listeners don't notice. But, you know, with my mom being in an accident, when I went home, I had to help her a lot when she was at the hospital. And I didn't realize how much patience you have to have because especially dealing with really independent people helping them go to the bathroom and everything like that that's that's a lot and it's I mean it's a lot on them as well when sometimes it may be embarrassing or you know just difficult in itself so um, so thank you for sharing that so we're we're on this call really because you reached out yeah we met five or six years ago I always think of you you reached out I believe via Facebook messenger saying my mom was in an accident. Please pray for her. And I did. Thank you. And I was worried and checked in again. And she was in a serious car accident. She's doing okay. Mm -hmm. But you went home and were a caregiver. And I think you're absolutely right. It's hard to ask for help or recognize that you need help. It's also difficult to to be a caregiver in many ways. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not easy for either person. At all. No. And I, yeah. I checked in with you. Your mom is doing much better. She is. She is. 
Yeah, so that's much better. That's so good to hear. I'm so glad. Thank you. And Thank she's you so she's in Florida, so yes. it's hard because you're in LA and and absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm constantly checking on her. We talk, we already talk a lot, you know, we're very close, but I talk to her so many times a day and I'm asking her to be want me to send you some food. Yesterday I sent her like a few of her favorite snacks, like with the grocery delivery. And I also sent her like some pajamas and everything like that. So she's in the house and she was like, she was so happy. She didn't know I was doing that. So whatever I can do being so far away, I wish I was closer. Like I told her, She's so lucky I still don't stay in Atlanta because I <laughs> I would be there. <laughs> I probably would be home for like a month or two if I could. So, yeah. Well, you're you're caregiving from afar and Absolutely. expressing your love, and I know that's probably um, a big part of her healing. Yeah, definitely. So I want to ask you a question because mm-hmm. uh, we are trying to learn what enables us to go on after difficult experiences, challenges, adversity, and how we can still live a positive life mm-hmm. after we've been through so much. Do you have any suggestion for our audience on how to move forward? I would say for me in particular, different things that helped was therapy. I've had grief counseling, I think maybe two or three times. The first time I was about 13. Um, that does help counseling, talking to someone. I know some people may not like it, but it's very, very therapeutic. As a creative, also for me, what's helpful is writing. Uh, that's how I got back into screenwriting was going through everything with my family and wanting to get the story out there. Mm-hmm. That was extremely therapeutic for me. They say that All- right? writing is cathartic, right? Yes, definitely. And also, I mean, for, for me personally, also is just having a relationship with God is very, very healing. It takes, you know, a while. No, no, no one can tell you how to heal or, or how long to grieve and everything like that. So it's kind of like you just got to figure it out and pray and be surrounded by people who are good for you. Mm. That's important. So that, I mean, that's what personally helped me. I think you're so right. Grief is personal. And yeah, it, absolutely. it's your own journey. It's going to take as much time as you need. And the steps that you take when you go through something are you figure it out, right? You figure out mm-hmm. what's going to work for you. It may not work for somebody yeah. else, but it's what works right. for you. Right. Everything that me and my family has, has been through, you know, it happened a while ago, but and I'm much, I'm much better than I was originally, but you know, I still have my moments. Like if I think about it too much or, or someone asks me, you know, about it and I get to talking about the whole story that can really make me realize, oh, wow, you know, it still hurts, but I, um, I'm definitely, I'm better than I, I used to be because I would cry on, <laughs> you know, as soon as I open my mouth, but as time goes on, you, you know, you heal. I feel like a, a party, like that pain doesn't all the way go, you know, go to, go away. So it's just, it's different for everybody. Yeah. They say that grief is different. It, mm-hmm. it gets different. It, it changes. It, it, as you said, it doesn't go away, but it changes. Yeah. It becomes absolutely. something different. So what is life like in LA for you? <laughs> Um, 
Life in LA is nice. I feel like it's the closest thing to Florida as far as like the way it looks, the palm trees and the sun. That's what I'm used to. It's extremely busy. It's a lot of traffic. To me, everybody's pretty friendly here, but uh, you know, I'm constantly keeping myself busy because I'm I'm here by myself, so I'm constantly working. If I'm not working, I'm writing. If I'm not writing, you know, I'm reading. Those are my hobbies. I know they're boring, but that's <laughs> that's what I like to do. But yeah, it's an adjustment. You know, I know I'm out here for a reason, and I, I just try to stay focused. It takes a lot of self-discipline being out here when I'm talking to my friends back home they're like where do you go party and I'm like I don't party like I, I did all of that in college so I don't know if that <laughs> makes me boring but it's, you know I want I just I care about other things now so well I yeah. definitely can <laughs> relate to that and yeah and you know I remember when you told me you were just picking up everything and and going to California and I was like wow <laughs> like she doesn't know a person there Wait, I think, right, you have I a, think you, I knew one person. You had a yeah, cousin. One person. Yeah, didn't you have a cousin there? I have a cousin who's older on my mom's side. I met him when I came out here, but <laughs> you know he has his own family and stuff. Right, right. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> I remember you saying that. I'm like, I you have I have a cousin, but I'm going to go out to California right. to LA, and I'm like, wow. I mean, you were what, 24 years old or 23 years old, and just moved. Yep. yep. Well, <laughs> you are on your way. Thank you. I am completely amazed and in awe of you. How do our listeners get in touch with you? I am on Facebook, Aaliyah Christine Asby. I'm on Twitter, Aaliyah Christine. I'm on everything. LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram at Aaliyah Christine. And you're on IMDB. Absolutely. I am on IMDB. If you want to email me, Christine at gmail.com. So yeah, I'm pretty accessible right now. Well, last thing, any quote or song that inspires you that might inspire others? Mm, let's see. Quote, I'll probably say our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate by Marion Wilson Williamson, I believe that's her name. That's my favorite quote. I that, love that one quote. is in your book. Yep. yep. That, that <laughs> is on your end cover. Our deepest fear exactly. is... Yeah, is that one. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure right? And yep. it is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. I love that one too. I can't believe you chose that one because it's one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Aaliyah, from taking thank the time you. out of your busy LA superstar day to hang no with problem. us. <laughs> Anytime. What are you working right now? What can we look forward to seeing you in in the future? Right now, I do have a short film that I co-starred in. We're actually having a, a, a premiere for it here in LA. It's called Dear God. That comes out this weekend. I'm not sure when it'll be available to everybody yet, but I, if you follow me on social media, you'll definitely know. Um, also, I'm working on a script with my literary manager that I have, and we're trying to get that um, out to producers soon. So I can't say too much about it yet, but a lot of the things Secrets. on the way, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. thank, thank you so much, Aaliyah. This is awesome. No I can't wait to see what's next for you. Check those things out when they're advertised. Stay well, my friend. Thank you. You too. This is WCN. 
The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen.